Let us now responsively read the prophecy of Zechariah from Luke 1, verses 68 through 79. Blessed be the Lord, the God of Israel, for He has visited and redeemed His people. He has raised up a horn of salvation for us in the house of His servant David, as He spoke by the mouth of His holy prophets from of old, that we should be saved from our enemies and from the hand of all who hate us, to show the mercy promised to our fathers and to remember His holy covenant, the oath that He swore to our father Abraham to grant us that we, being delivered from the hand of our enemies, might serve Him without fear in holiness and righteousness before Him all our days. And you, child, will be called the prophet of the Most High, for you will go before the Lord to prepare His ways, to give knowledge of salvation to His people in the forgiveness of their sins. Because of the tender mercy of our God, whereby the sunrise shall visit us from on high, to give light to those who sit in darkness and in the shadow of death, to guide our feet into the way of peace. Glory be to the Father and to the Son and to the Holy Spirit, as it was in the beginning, is now and ever shall be, world without end. Amen. In 1 Kings 19, Elijah the prophet is hearing the voice of God. But God spoke to him not in a great wind, not in an earthquake, not in a fire, but in the sound of a low whisper, a still, small voice, a thin silence. Last week we heard the beautiful song of Mary, but we also saw that because of Zechariah's unbelief, he's been unable to speak. He's been silenced. Forced like Elijah to listen to God in the silence. And there's a silence at play not only for Zechariah, but for the whole Jewish people at this point in Luke's gospel. Since Israel has returned from exile, there's been silence from God. No word from him. And that feeling of silence is one that you and I understand well. Where is God, we ask? Why is he silent? What is he doing? Does he even care? Yet now, as Zechariah's son John is born, he breaks the silence. He pours forth a prophecy filled with the Holy Spirit. And make no mistake, this prophecy reflects his time spent in silence. For the priest had not to do but pour over God's revealed word, the Old Testament, and to try and understand the events that are now unfolding in the life of him and the life of everyone around him. This prophecy is packed full of Old Testament references and allusions, two, three, four in every verse. As 20th century Scottish pastor James Philip put it, it's a whole system of divinity within brief compass. And though this prophecy defies any rigid structure, for our purposes we'll look at three, just three, of the dangling threads of promise in the Old Testament. Threads that Zechariah understands are now at play, being woven back together into God's story. First, the lines of David. Second, the lineage of Abraham. And third, the light of the prophets. The lines of David, the lineage of Abraham, and the light of the prophets. First, the lines of David, verses 68 through 71. Even from the beginning of this prophecy, we see it picks up where the Old Testament left off. Look at verse 68. Blessed be the Lord, God of Israel, for he has visited and redeemed his people. This opening phrase, blessed be the Lord, the God of Israel, comes straight from multiple Psalms. Psalm 41, Psalm 72. 
Psalm 106, some of which were written by David himself. It's his lines. And yet even more interesting is the place of this line. You see, in the Psalms, it's at the end of those Psalms. But now, it's here at the beginning of Zechariah's prophecy. It's God's way of saying, I'm picking up where the Old Testament left off. I'm speaking again into the silence. And so, blessed be the Lord, Zechariah says. And why should we bless the Lord? Because he has again visited his people and redeemed them. The word for visit is the same word that shows up in the Greek translation of Exodus chapter 4. When God's people are in Egypt, he visits them. This word also means to care. Again, from the lines of David, Psalm 8.4, What is man that you are mindful of him? The son of man that you care for him. This reference to David's lines continues in verse 69 as he's raised up a horn of salvation for us in the house of his servant David. Salvation has come through David's house, through his descendant, through his line. And this horn of salvation is another one of David's lines found in Psalms like Psalm 18, verse 2. Just as the horn of an animal is the concentration of its strength and power, Zechariah says the cutting edge of God's salvation has come. Then verses 70 and 71, as he spoke by the mouth of his holy prophets from of old, that we should be saved from our enemies and from the hand of all who hate us. Not only did the prophet speak of a righteous branch, the coming son of David, but he's bringing salvation, deliverance from our enemies, from those who hate us. And this kind of deliverance, this plea and refrain is, is a common request of David again in the Psalms. And we should remember the Jewish people looked back to David as the high watermark of their people, a king after God's own heart. But since David, there was only death, destruction, exile, and silence. They're surrounded by their enemies in the silence of God. And yet now Zechariah prophesies and speaks salvation. Salvation is coming for them and to us. Salvation. One in the line of David is coming to deliver us. Next we see the lineage of Abraham, verses 72 through 75. As Zechariah continues, he answers the question, why does God do this? Why does God deliver his people? Why is he bringing salvation? Verse 72, to show the mercy promised to our fathers and to remember his holy covenant. God is fulfilling the promise of the covenant that he made. This loving, sacrificial bond that he made with his people long before King David. When did he make it? Verse 73, the oath that he swore to our father Abraham. The covenant God made time and time again with Abraham. You see, in the sacrifice of Isaac in Genesis 22, he promised Abraham to bless him, to multiply his offspring, and that his offspring, singular, would possess the gate of his enemies. And through this offspring, singular, all the nations of the earth would be blessed. And Zechariah says, this is what is coming to pass. Verses 74 and 75, that we being delivered from the hand of our enemies might serve him without fear and holiness and righteousness before him all our days. Zechariah sees and understands that the one who is to come is this, this very offspring from the lineage of David, the lineage of Abraham. And he will deliver us from our enemies so that we might serve God without fear. He's giving hope. And just like the Jewish people looked back to David, they looked further back to Abraham as their father. And now Zechariah's prophecy speaks of hope. Hope to them, hope for us, that even in silence, God holds fast to his promises. Third and finally, we see the light of the prophets, verses 76 to 79. 
Back in verse 70, that we, we saw this, as he spoke by the mouth of his holy prophets from of old. But now what has happened? Verse 76, And you, child, will be called the prophet of the Most High, for you will go before the Lord to prepare his ways. The prophecy now zooms in on the child that has been born to Zechariah. That this child, like the prophets foretold, will be the one to rise and prepare the way for God's people. Because God himself will come. And Malachi, this prophet, is called my messenger. And is called Elijah. And why does he have to come? Verse 77. To give knowledge of salvation to his people and the forgiveness of their sins. The horn of salvation is coming, Zechariah says. And so the people need a knowledge of that salvation. And that it's not just deliverance from their enemies, but forgiveness. Deliverance from their own sins. From their own rebellion. Because we have made ourselves enemies of God. But the good news is that our seemingly silent God has mercy on us. Verses 78 and 79. Because of the tender mercy of our God, whereby the sunrise shall visit us from on high, to give light to those who sit in darkness and in the shadow of death, to guide our feet into the way of peace. These last two verses are especially steeped in Old Testament prophecy coming from the prophetical books that though God's people dwell in darkness, light will come. Even though they are in darkness, in the very shadow of death, they will fear no evil. For God, the Good Shepherd, the light of the world is coming. And that when He does, He will guide their feet into the way of peace. And here, Zechariah says in his prophecy, the light that the prophets foretold is coming. And He will bring peace. That even in God's silence, He brings light into our deepest darkness. So Zechariah is saying time and time again in this prophecy that one is coming. Using the lines of David. In the line of David, bringing salvation. In the lineage of Abraham, bringing hope. And is the light the prophets foretold bringing peace to God's people. And as Zechariah in Luke chapter 1 moves from unbelief to praise and glory in God, in our silence we are invited to do the same. To move from unbelief to praise and glory in the provision of God for His people. For God has spoken once again to His people just as He did with the prophet Elijah. Not in a great wind, not in an earthquake, not in a fire, but in a thin silence, in the still, small voice of a newborn's cry. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Father, would you give us eyes to see your great care for us, your provision for your people, the way you weave together the threads of the Old Testament so that we might see what you are doing in Christ. Thank you for this prophecy of Zechariah given to us so we might read and have hope this Christmas season. Lord, be near to us, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen.